Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop and welcome to episode 18 of Coffee and Contemplation with Women. It's been a month since our last recording and that's because I have been waiting for this guest and two others who have said they would like to come and share their story. But to share your story um, can take some prep. So um, today I'm very grateful for the guest I have on. Uh, she and I have connected a lot recently and I totally understand her story. So um, I will introduce her in a moment. If you live on the Sunshine Coast, you may know the town of Yudlow. Yudlow is where uh, the Buddhist Institute is. Um, it's called Chen Rezig Institute. But just three minutes away yesterday, I walked into another room and there was equally a hundred residents in there zen out to the sound of music. And as I wait, waited for this uh, guest to come and have a chat with me, I walked around and said hello to all the guests, uh, but they weren't really listening because they were all asleep. Uh, um, so Beth is the owner of Miss Piggy's Guinea Pig Adoption Centre at Udlow. I had the pleasure of meeting Beth um, as she warily checked me out to be an appropriate guinea pig owner back when I needed to find a buddy for our little guinea pig, Zeke, who we'd rescued or we were handed because he was unfortunately getting in the space of girls and getting them all pregnant. So little Zeke, he needed a buddy because otherwise he would be alone for the rest of his life. And Miss Piggy, as Beth is known, uh, really helped me uh, work out how we could actually make that happen. So yesterday I got there and Beth was covered in pine chips and pure guinea pig poop out the front while I got to have the pleasure of being surrounded by this love bubble of guinea pigs. Absolute pleasure going to visit her anytime. Today, uh, Beth, I'd like to just start off by welcoming you. Thank you. How are you, Susan? Really good, really good. It's so good to actually get on the screen and um, have this chat after all the time we've been contemplating what you're going to cover. So that being said... Um, I was thinking what we might start with is a question people probably ask you a lot and I don't know, but how did you end up starting an adoption centre for guinea pigs? Uh, my first guinea pig arrived uh, when my niece wanted to go on holidays, so she asked if I could look after her guinea pig. I said, yeah, no worries. I used to have them when I was a kid. Um, so I looked after it and when she came back from holidays, she said, if you like him, you can keep him. So I did. And from there on, other people saw that I would take in unwanted guinea pigs. So we sort of started from there. Okay. It's an official adoption centre now, is it? Is it? A registered charity. Oh, are you? Okay. All right. As I said yesterday, there was at least 100 guinea pigs in the room. Um, yes. And some, and some of them you end up keeping forever because they're in a little bit of a bad way from when you've actually brought them in. Yeah, many guinea pigs get mites. Uh, mites do lie, lay on the skin dormant. Um, if they get stressed or their immune system lowers, mites can take over. So we can treat that okay. and, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, abscesses, all nasty things. <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> so like this a day in the life of you talking guinea pig talk. Okay. <laughs> Hey, um, now I know when we've been talking about what we would cover today, um, when I first sent the questions out and listeners, as I do, I always send out a list, a list of prep questions that 
um, cut across life, professional life, um, creativity, playfulness and exploration, um, a bit of advice and um, just some favourite things. When Beth sent me back what she didn't want to focus on, she'd put a big black texture mark through life. Okay, right. So um, that led to us having a chat. And um, I think the connection with Beth and guinea pigs and what has driven this woman to be so passionate about being the advocate for these tiny weeny little creatures with the cutest little feet, um, I wanted to know what the connection was with that and... Beth has also intimated on her Facebook page that she's struggled with PTSD. Um, she's had very down moments at Christmas this year. I know she had to um, leave her husband in charge of the, um, the adoption centre so she could just give herself a, a bit of a breather. Um, so we're going to probably go into that a little bit now. Is that okay with you, Beth? Yeah, no worries. Cool. Okay. So is there a connection? What is it, what's all that all about? Uh, it was by accident, but I found out how voiceless guinea pigs are. They're one of the smallest animals that people don't think involves a large commitment. Um, they do require more than most people think, and when they need help, they can't speak up. So I want to be their voice. And what have you done? What type of work have you done that's um, stood out to you? Uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me was a gentleman that started off with two. He uh, rescued them himself from what was a bad situation. That was male and female. Unfortunately, he didn't separate the sexes. And in the end, he ended up with 191. Oh. It, it was a pretty sad situation. Um, but we ended up being their voice and a half of those 191 were female and were pregnant. So we had to share them around other rescues, which openly opened their arms from our rescue and we shared them around. And I think all together it took about two years to rehome them all. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Because you've said to me before um, that we know that people sort of even ask me, I suppose, like when I talk about Zeke, they're looking at me like I've gone back into some childhood thing. Mm -hmm. like, oh, you've got a, a child's pet again. You know, that's what people mm -hmm. see it. Mm -hmm. But as we've talked about, they're exotics, aren't they? They're classified as exotics. They are, they are exotics. And when I first started, I actually didn't want my husband to tell others what I was doing. I was embarrassed because it's a child's pet. Yeah. But I... I really don't think they are a child's pet unless the parent is 100% involved mm. because, yes, they are an exotic animal and they're trickier than anyone thinks. Yeah. What's the biggest misconception with them, do you think? You can't leave them out in the backyard and forget about them. They, they need their daily vitamin C. Like us, they can't produce their own vitamin C, so they need to gain their own vitamin C from veggies high in vitamin C. They can't live on scraps. They can't live on iceberg lettuce because that's got nothing in it. Um, they're not easy. That's the no. biggest misconception. They're not a starter pet. No. No, they're not. I mean, I, I find the same that I've sort of taken on a responsibility of you know, what I have taken on. I think anyone with a pet needs to understand that. But you know, I was just thinking you obviously come across a bit of um, you know, people thinking they're doing the right thing. 
but they're not. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, like that gentleman, he thought he was doing the right thing, but yeah. in the end, he, he did love them, but he didn't understand that he had to separate them, which would have been more loving. That's the thing. It's like it, when people sort of say, oh, you know, you need to separate them. It is actually the human's responsibility to not let yes. them get pregnant because I, I, yeah. they can get pregnant from the time they've given birth. So a, a, a girl can have a baby straight or have a baby and then get pregnant. Yes, yeah. straight away. They can get pregnant from three weeks of old, three oh. weeks of age. And if they're not separated from any males, they can get pregnant every 10 weeks. Okay. And the boys can actually reproduce from what age? Three weeks. Three weeks too. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. He can impregnate his mothers and sisters. Yeah. They're not picky, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. Okay. So, so in terms of where are you heading with the, um, the adoption centre? My big aim is to invite guinea pig lovers for a big barbecue, a big fundraiser. Um, I would love to bake some goodies to raise funds as well for that fundraiser. Um, have jumping castles, bring families together that are like-minded, may not even have guinea pigs, but love animals. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I love people talking over a cuppa while they're doing it. You're a great cook too. I love it when you actually publish that you're going to bake up a whole bunch of goodies and they get snaffled up straight away. <laughs> that's, my, my, that's my other passion. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, cooking with love, so that's can, the way. If I can combine the two, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so how about we have a chat then about so the other side of you? That's your yep. personal side of you. Um, what's your outlook on life? My outlook on life. Be be open. Be honest. Mm. Um, honesty is a big thing with me, even if it hurts people. Yeah. I don't like to hurt people, but yeah, honesty is huge. Yeah, and that that would come across a bit with you having to be honest with people thinking they're doing the right thing by. That's exactly roam around the backyard or, you know. That's exactly right. It actually hurts me to tell people that they're doing the wrong thing, but I do it for the animal's sake. Yeah, yeah. So it builds your ability to be able to say no. Yes, it does. Yeah. And it has helped in other areas of my life of saying no. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk about that? I just, before you go there, I'm just going to say yeah. to listeners, in case Beth does go where she was thinking about going, um, <laughs> some of the content could be sensitive uh, and it may trigger emotions um, if it does get shared. Um, and it's also possible that Beth and I might actually have a, a second chat at another time, um, just depending on how we go today. So I just thought I'd just put that in there rather than just lead straight into it. So, um, yeah, Beth, you're sort of you're talking in terms of that ability to say no and you know, the, being the guinea pig's voice, mm -hmm. we've talked about, you know, even like my episode 14 about, you know, speaking the unspoken. So, mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So are you thinking that's where you're going to go next with where we're actually I, going? I think so, yes. Okay. So 
I know Beth has shared with me just briefly when she was 17, she met and or was found by a 30-something-year-old fellow. And from there, sort of for her, she thought it was going uphill and she was in love. Um, she's very young uh, when she met this guy, uh, but he obviously knew what he was doing. And Beth told me just this week that, you know, within a month he had her pinned down with his hands around the throat and his mum pulled him off and said, what are you doing to my son? From there, Beth thought that that was her fault, that she actually caused that. And from there, she actually tried to always make good by this man. So that's a conversation that Beth and I didn't realise we were going to have this week when we got to talk a bit deeper and deeper, but that's what coaching's like too sometimes. Um, so, yeah, Beth, what happened? Do you want to talk about how you got through that? How did you get out of it and how have you overcome it? Uh, um. Well, to be honest, at first I wasn't really interested in him. Um, but he sort of turned turned it that my mind was interested in him. He can, started to control my mind. Um, and I thought I, I misconstrued that with my heart. Um, <sighs> Uh, yeah, I misconstrued that with my heart. And when his mother did pull me off that day, I thought finally an adult had seen it, even though he was 32 and an adult. Um, but when she said, what are you doing to my son? I thought, okay, I'm the one that is 17 here. I'm not the adult. They should know better. Um, just because you're not the adult in the room, doesn't mean that they know better. You need to speak up to anyone that will listen. I didn't have a lot of friends um, and because they didn't listen or didn't see anything wrong with it, I thought others wouldn't either. So I stayed for another eight years. Wow. And did it, what, what happened with him um, next? Did he actually take it further or was it? Was that as far uh, as it went? Um, he did take it further. We moved in together um, six years later. I He actually smoked marijuana and I blamed it all on marijuana because I'd never known anyone who smoked marijuana. Um, so I tried to stabilise that while we were together, but it didn't work. We always fought about it and he ended up, going to the kitchen, coming back, I was in bed crying and he put a knife against my throat. I actually pushed against it and he yelled at me, you'd like that, wouldn't you, bitch? Oh. Um, so I didn't really care about my life anymore, to be honest. Mm. I, I saw it as the only way out. Um. Okay. So you went and saw the doctor around about then? Uh, the doctor was another two years later. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I continued to pay rent because I wanted a stable life with this guy I so-called loved. 
Um, but it, yeah, it didn't work. Um, I saw my doctor. I'd never told my family. My doctor, I went to my doctor with my mum because she wanted to make sure I went. She knew something was wrong, but she didn't know what. Um, my doctor sat me down and said, how are you, Beth? I said, I'm good, and then started pulling my eyes out. And he said, handed me a box of tissues, which I needed a lot of. <laughs> and I said, he had a knife to my throat two years ago. And this guy I had respected, I had seen, I had been seeing him for quite a while by that stage. Um, he said, Beth, you can do better. And mum was there. This is the first time she'd heard what about the, the violence and obviously found out why I was so depressed. Um, I went and called my ex and said, I'm leaving. And at that stage, when I called him, he started trashing all my stuff. He poured blood over it. He put marijuana everywhere. He scraped traitor into the table. He um, wrote whore everywhere. Wow. So what, what, what was happening? Like, did you have the police supporting you after you'd been to see the doctor? What happens if you actually have identified it with the doctor? Did they help? Um, I had a constable, a sergeant actually. I had a sergeant come in and he helped me. Um, he said, start cleaning up and we'll get you out of here. Um, <laughs> what was the turn? What was the turn for you that gave you that? The, the, you actually obviously dialed him and said, I'm not coming back. The turn was the doctor saying I could do better because his mother and him had always said no other man would put up with me. No other man would love me as much as he did. And I've learned since meeting my husband that wasn't love. That was no. control. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But you, you weren't conscious of it in all that time because you no, just felt you were in love with him. Well, he did a thing to me, a watch called gaslighting. Okay. Um, like what... Uh, honesty to me, as I said previously, is huge to me and I don't fathom how people can lie like they do. Um... But he once said to me, what you think is happening isn't really happening. I thought I was insane. Mm -hmm. I actually asked my father if I was insane and I ended up in a psych ward. Honestly, with the mind games that he had me under control with, if he hadn't trashed that house, I probably would have went back. But the evidence was right in front of me. But yet again, his mother blamed me. She yelled at me, said, you, you are the one that did this to him. If there are other women that you, you know, say, if, say for instance, you know, if people listening to this um, could be more aware of what might be happening in, say, a friend or a family's life, what would they have picked up in you that they could have asked you about? I was so withdrawn. <laughs> I would hide under my long hair. Okay. Um, I was always crying. I didn't even realise until I left him 
and got a better life. I look back on it that I was actually drugging myself. Um, when I met my husband, I was always awake. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and I realised that I'd stopped taking those pills. Okay. So you, you had medication. Was that for sleep? or? It was for sleep and anxiety. Okay. And I was allowed, I was allowed to take them, but they really reacted to my sleep. Okay. So you were sleeping and then waking, oh. taking more pills and sleeping. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So to block it all out. Yep. Wow. I'm basically making up for eight years of lost life now. Mm. With my parents. My parents are elderly now, so I'm making up with making up time with them. I'm trying. Yep. And I'm making up lost time with. You know, I I didn't have a job for that time. I didn't have friends, so I'm making my own world again. With the help of my husband. Yeah, and you're doing that through the centre as well, obviously, because, yes. like, I know, as I said when we were starting this, it's like you've got an army of, you know, people loving what you do out there, like, including myself and a few of my friends follow your Facebook page. Just to see, like, there was that lovely little picture you shared last week. Uh, was it Joe, the guinea pig? Yeah. Guinea pig? Yep. And he was leaning out to give you a kiss out of his cage. Yeah. Uh, like... Yeah, I think yeah, you've got um, a lot of people loving you from around the world that support you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually shocked about it. I I find myself restacking the fridge where we sell drinks to raise funds and stuff on the weekend, and I think to myself, how how did this happen? Yeah. How how did we get here? <laughs> and, and was it? Do you feel like what you're saying, like you're actually the time you've lost, you're actually regaining the time, but are you finding that by, um, is that because you have got such a full life with what you've given yourself the responsibility for? Or is that overwhelming you too, what you've done or is it enough or what? Sometimes it overwhelms me. Yeah. Um, but I manage, I manage to get it back into line. I manage. Okay. Um, you had me thinking though yesterday when you were saying, oh, it'd be really good to be able to put aside <clears throat> money every week out of, you know, obviously your husband's um, salary mm-hmm. from what he does so that eventually you'd be able to get away for four weeks in four years' time. And, of course, <laughs> me being life coach going, really, I wonder how we can ramp that up that we can get Beth to get away for four weeks every year. So you have got me thinking about that. So is there anything from what you experienced with that partner that you feel that you could actually share to actually stop other women from even getting into that type of relationship at all? If you if you find you're not interested in them at the first place, and that suddenly changes to excitement and you think pure love and you can't ever love anyone else, just just question it because once that high is over, a relationship isn't supposed to be of highs and lows. It's supposed to be of 
helping each other and it's supposed to be normal. <laughs> but you're saying there's like, you've mentioned that there's like the highs and lows of a heroin addict is the feeling yes. you have. It is very, I have recently been told it could have been trauma bonding why I stayed and kept going back. Um, before I was with him, even though I was young, I couldn't understand why people who were abused would always go back. But I did that so many times. I, I was addicted. I wasn't okay. in love. I was addicted. Wow. I was addicted troll. to his highs. Yeah, I was addicted to his highs. And I've read that it does make chemicals in your brain that makes you addicted to those highs. The trouble is you cannot pull out before those lows. And those lows, that's when you get suicidal. Okay. And you cannot explain it to anyone because you don't know how to get out. And my advice to any woman who thinks someone won't believe him, I didn't think anyone would believe me because his own mother pulled him off and didn't believe me. But the first person I told, believe me, and I have told many people since, even his exes, and I've helped them. Okay. And they've helped, they've helped me heal. Yeah. I, I cannot say how much she has helped me heal. I haven't even met her yet, but plan on it. Yeah. And I'm happy to have helped her. You were sort of saying too, like, that obviously you – are in a way almost like a counselling type of arrangement the way you talk to people when they come into the centre. And you said that you actually come across a lot of people that aren't fully living. Tell me about that. I find some people are hiding and I find that quite sad. Um, they're hiding who has abused them. They're hiding... It's almost like they're protecting their abuser. Mm. And we need to speak up against these people or they're going to do it to someone else. We're not special. I mean, in a way, we were specially chosen to be their victims because we have empathy. <laughs> we feel that we understand these people. But they're using that against us. We yeah. need to speak up. We need to speak up for others. Yeah. I think that's the thing to me too is like, yes, you can hold on to a story and not share it to protect and to not hurt. But a lot of this type of stuff goes on is the, um, you know, like, you know, keep it to yourself and the old school way of, oh, we don't mm -hmm. talk about that type of thing. Um, and we don't want the family to be, um, have their name shamed. But it's about placing the shame back on the, the person's shoulders, not the victims. Like the victims carry a lot of yep. shame in this type of situation, yes. in all sorts of abuse. You sort of wonder, did you do it? Did you cause it? You know, why me? <laughs> um, no mm. one else talks about it, so why would it actually even be anything apart from you? Um, mm. Yeah, so I think, you know, even that, to me, our worlds collided strangely and then we, we both sort of tested each other in the opening up of you know, sharing in a safe space. Um, I thank you for that too, for you know, our conversations over the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been um, it's pretty amazing. But I feel like what you've been saying to me is that 
you could see where he was going to do more harm in other relationships and you wanted mm-hmm. to stop that. Yes. Um, what I found, uh, I, another reason I also blame myself is I did count, call the police a few times um, and they told me he had no previous record, which made me think it was just me. It was my fault. Um, so I did try to find exes before me as well. I couldn't find any. Um, so it was actually just three years ago. He contacted me. My ex contacted me um, and mentioned his current ex's first name. It took me eight months. I found her. Um, and I realised he wasn't doing the exact same things, but it was his sort of um, um, manipulation and control he was still doing. We aimed at certain members of her family without going into it. Um, and he changed his character for all of that, didn't he? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, he was so, yes, he did change his character to suit that family, Mm. to suit his needs. Yeah. Um, And so I found out that it wasn't just me. It might have been happening before me as well, but it never got reported. Report it, guys, please. I mean, it helps you. Yeah. you. It does, and it helps others. Yeah. Bring it up. I mean, this whole Me Too movement, a lot of people have said to me, why didn't they speak up earlier? Because they had no one to believe them. Mm. They just need one person, and so many have believed me since. They just need one person. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. So, yeah, I think that's the thing is you're sharing the stories. Um, and I said sometimes these, you know, the, the podcast episodes are about some deeper stuff. And I said, like, there's a darkness and lightness. But it's important, like, the darkness has to be shared. And you know, people yeah. go, oh, that's a, bit, that's a bit of a hard one to listen to. Or, you know, it's not a tone I can listen to. But it's real. Like, you're just a woman here on the Sunshine Coast who happens to be running a guinea pig adoption centre. And you've had this happen to you. So who else has had it happen to them? And sitting there thinking, I can't share it. No one's going to believe me, you know. So good on you for actually sharing today because I know that was when you and I stood at least probably three people's distance away from each other when we first started talking. Uh, I was thinking, oh, we've got a long way to go before we get to social distancing. (laughs) (laughs) So I really am. I'm very grateful that you've had the guts to share when all I was going to ask you about was the guinea pig lair, really. <laughs> first starting to talk to you. <laughs> There's a reason behind everything. <laughs> yeah. So how about, like, we're getting close to the end. And, and as I said to um, listeners before, if there's anything particular that you would like Beth to cover in more detail, I can easily um, arrange another episode. Uh, on that and also Beth has actually found help um, through what was it the, the fellow he's an advocate for this type of thing what's Narciss- it called he's an advocate for um, victims of narcissistic abuse okay 
So we could even try and arrange to have him come and have a talk just to explain a little bit or, you know, um, unpack a little bit what you know, Beth had experienced just to maybe help you help someone else if you know they are going through it or if someone says, hey, this has happened to me. So I was thinking that's the point of the podcast is that we're taking it the yep. next level up now that I will have some special guests on that will actually be professionals in the areas that people um, bring up in each of the areas that we chat about. So, yeah, Beth, you're okay if you come back, you said earlier on? Oh, 100%. Fabulous. Okay. And we'll also see what we could do about helping you get these lovely little guinea pigs to be singing your praises even more. <laughs> um, speaking of which, we were talking songs and you, you've been flicking songs to me left, right and centre. So I know you, you're, you've got the music playing all the time for the guinea pigs. So what's your favourite song and what's your fondest memory that it brings up for you? Oh, wow. Okay. Favourite song would probably be the hardest question out of all of them. <laughs> I, love, I love so many songs and it goes with my mood. Um, but at the moment, honestly, I, I recently also told, told my ex's best mate what he did to me. Um, my ex's best mate was also my friend and he got us together. So... And I heard this song, which is new, but, you know, not real new. Mm -hmm. I heard this song not long after I did that, and it's called Brave by Sarah Bareilles. And it's okay. about speaking up. Splitting up. Speaking up. Speaking up. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I usually um, put that up onto the story on Instagram and Facebook after yep. so people can have a look at what your song was. Hey, um, yep. have you got a favourite quote that has helped you through tough times? <laughs> Be who you were, be who you needed when you were younger. Yeah. I will, there are so many children that come through our shelter that have autism and I admire those kids the way they treat their guinea pigs. Oh. And, yeah, I've met so many beautiful people with this shelter. Yes, yeah. I've heard that. Are they are just on that side? Um, I know someone else who's actually got a daughter who's um, autistic and she's, that's her, they are her pets. She loves her guinea pigs. So are they mm -hmm. that type of, what's, what's that type of animal? What do they call that? A, um, therapy. Sorry? Therapy. A therapy, therapy animal. Yeah. I, I really do believe so. Yeah. Um, at first I thought the guinea pigs needed me more than I needed them, but I think it's just as equal as each other. I need them just as much as they need me. We okay. help each other. And you gave them during COVID when your parents were in um in lockdown. You gave um that, that lovely little was it Rod? No. Joe. Joe. You Joe. gave Joe to your mum. And how'd that go? Did you find that helped her? Get couple, yeah, yeah. Um they gave him a scratch on the head. They said he's a very hungry, hungry little guy. <laughs> <laughs> they even gave him a COVID belly. Oh. He's lost weight since he got back to me. <laughs> I think we all do that just saying Beth, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so be who you needed when you were younger. That's lovely. Um, is there a piece of advice that you'd give a 17-year-old you that, uh, that you'd wish you'd been given at 17? As I said before, just because you're not the adult in the room doesn't mean that your thoughts or your expressions are not right. Okay. The intuitive side of you. 
maybe is there. Yeah, yeah. If you're having panic attacks, your body is trying to tell you something. Listen to it. Yeah, okay. And speak up about it. Who do you think would be the, the best avenue to go to straight away to speak up? I mean, I will share some numbers at the end of the episode too on the, um, mm-hmm. on the actual podcast itself, but who would you recommend? Well, personally, I haven't had a lot of good experiences with counsellors. They, they wanted me to move on and not contact at people and tell people. But I've met you, I've met other life coaches and they have suggested that I, what I did, what I went ahead and did anyway, which was tell people, um, there is nothing wrong with it. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with it. And I have felt better, I have felt more confident ever since. Okay. So Go speak, for it. Speak the unspoken. Yep. Okay. I will, as I said, I'll, I'll pop some numbers on in case anyone's actually you know, feeling anything from listening to it or to share with anyone they feel that they need to share it with. Um, but, hey, Beth, I really, really appreciate you coming on this morning. And Thank you. We'll keep our conversation going as we go. Every time I make an excuse to pop over to Udlo to pretend to buy <laughs> something so I can see all your guinea pigs. <laughs> um, yeah, I really wish you well with what you're doing. Um, in, a, in a way, it's a healing journey that you're, as you said, you're giving yourself the love of the guinea pigs, um, just not to overwhelm you, but to give it, to work out a way that maybe we can actually make it work for you, that uh, you can actually give yourself and Rodney the love of your life uh, some time <laughs> alone and feel that the guinea pigs are safe when you're not there, you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think it's going to happen. I think so. I think so. Okay, once a year, four times, four weeks a year. That's the plan. So everyone out there on Miss Piggy's Facebook page, let's see how we can make that happen. Maybe we could all donate $5 each. That would nearly get you there with all those followers. (laughs) Oh, I'll start coming up with plans for you anyway. Yeah, thank you, and um, and we'll leave it there. And yeah, if anyone's got any feedback or anything they would like to share or ask Beth, please don't hesitate to put a note in the, the podcast recording. It's also saved out on Facebook and Instagram, so you're welcome to put comments there or send messages from there. So thank you very much, Beth. And um, thank you. Cool, and we'll kick on with the week. Okay. <laughs>